Ochoa. I have a question for you today. My question is thus. What was the last time you went to a public library in order to get a book or to get something? And as a secondary question, when and if you went to the library often, what was the primary reason you went? Okay, well, to be honest, I the last time I went to a public library, our city library or whatever, I I'm trying to think of some several reasons. It's been it's been a few years. Okay. Uh, but the last time I went, our particular library uh, in the city next to ours, I guess, where or the next in between your city and my city. Um, anyway, they have a makerspace. So I went there to go work with the makerspace and learn how to use it so that I could help other people use it. And the other reason I went, there was another reason I went similar to the that was probably about four years ago five years ago time goes by so quickly but anyway I, and that was because there was a student parent who not one of my students but a student from another district they wanted me to teach their child how to write because they were struggling in English and so we would meet at the public library and I would tutor him and then I would also get books for my children. Now, when we were younger, we would, uh, there was a time when I didn't have computers here, uh, especially right after my husband got really, really sick. And so we, uh, our computers that we had just kind of went out. We couldn't afford to get new ones. So we would go to the library for computer usage. We would go to the library to research, um, especially if I needed quiet time. And then all my kids, all of my kids had library cards and we would always go and check out books and movies. So we did both. And then uh, the other reason I go or have gone in the past is because, uh, you know, to do my taxes and to get, get forms that are needed. And uh, so those are my main reasons to go. And of course, when I got my master's, I went all the time for the academic side of it. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I have, at a young age, I realized that I loved books. I was obsessed with them. One of the good qualities my mom gave me, she used to read on the couch all the time when I was younger. I used to always want to read. I used to ask her, I'd be like, mm -hmm. Mom, when am I going to learn how to read? And it started with me going to the library. And I remember, I remember, I think I remember the very first book I ever got from the library. And this might, this probably isn't, but this is like my first memory of getting a book. <laughs> it was Tom Clancy's Red Rabbit. Okay. I checked out that book so many times and you couldn't pay me anything to guess what that book is about. It was way too advanced for me. I had no idea. I couldn't read it. Like it was one, like it was just inaccessible. Right. But mm -hmm. for some reason I was obsessed with how big it was. Right. I like from a young age, I was like, I want big books. So I became epic fantasy reader. Right. I was mm -hmm. like, the bigger, the better let's go. Um, but I was obsessed with that. I wanted to read it. And I knew Tom Clancy, like there was you know, something manly about that name. And so as a young boy, I was like, that's what I need to be reading right there. <laughs> and I checked it all the time. And I, I vividly remember that. I remember that, you know, that plastic library cover that mm -hmm. was on it. And I remember, but I, I do remember like later going often, I would go with friends. My mom would drop me off and I would just check out all kinds of books. And I also remember checking out VHS Videos. Yeah, that's what I mean. We always did that. That's what we did. Which is wild because I also like we were huge. My family was huge blockbuster people. I used to beg my mom to go to blockbuster all the time. I'd always rent games over the weekend. It was like my thing. Mm -hmm. Friday night, mom would go to blockbuster. They'd rent movies. We'd get games. We did it so much that one time we were checking out movies and uh, games, and the guy goes, "I don't know if there was a celebration that happened, but you just checked out your thousandth movie." Like, oh wow <laughs> y'all were way above me <laughs> yeah so like we like we did it all the time right and i just lived there and i checked stuff in and out all the time 
Uh, but the library, I remember checking out like Free Willy for some reason. That was like the VHS oh, yeah. go-to for me, right? Gotcha. And it's just so funny. Like there's like these memories of just trailing all of these books, and it's like really kind of sparse in my brain. But I loved the library, and then eventually, what happened is. I discovered Barnes and Nobles is kind of like that, but you get to buy the book. So like, yeah, so that makes it different. You didn't have yeah. to go back and return it. Yeah, no, we. I remember. I mean, we would all my kids, uh, the three of them. They would, we would go to the library and we would all come back with like a stack of about four or five books. My kids are avid readers. They. They would read all the time. My son reads, he outreads, which y'all have heard me talk about that a lot. He way outreads me, but he, but you know, they would, they would just, we would go and we would read. My husband was real big on, on the library. We used everything. It's a free resource. And so when we were struggling because he was so sick, that's what we would do is we would go there for entertainment and things like that. Now you might, you didn't ask this, but you could have asked, had I, have I ever worked in the library? And the answer is yes. <laughs> That's how I went through college is I worked, I actually worked in our college library, a work study program. So I worked in the periodicals. So I know how to, wow. I was able to take the magazines and all that stuff and we would bind them. I know how to bind them. And so yeah. here's... <laughs> Just so you know, I don't even want to say this on a podcast, but I'm going to. So I worked in a library. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What library did you work at? It was the it was our North Richland Hills Public Library before they moved it. So here's the thing. Right. Because they rebuilt Uh it. And now it's in that. They did. And that's the and and the new one is the one with the makerspace. Yeah. That I was talking about. I've mm-hmm. I've only been to the new one maybe five times maybe I went to the old oh, one all the time. Nice. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. nice, very nice. Mm-hmm. But here's 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 the thing: is I worked at this old library because I had to do community service when I totaled my mom's car. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you would be okay. And, yeah. Well, so here's here's the funny part though, right? The librarians, right? What do librarians want more than anything? They want kids to read. And so mm-hmm. I was this young kid with long hair. And so I was like, hey, can I do this for a little bit? And then like, go check out some books. And they're like, oh yes, just go ahead. And they would still. <laughs> they'd still they give you your credit. Yeah, they would still <laughs> let me do it, right? And so it was like the best thing ever. And I remember when they were transitioning over that library, they had to do like these little dots on the bottom. And so they put me in charge of that, but they were like, all right, what kind of books do you like? And I'm like, oh, I like fantasy, science fiction, all that. And I'm like, okay, well you get to go do those today. So I would like sit there and do the dots, but I would only get like 10 in because I was sitting there. Be reading. Yeah, I was reading to all this. And it was so funny, but it was What's hilarious at me telling that story now is one, I, I, I touched so many of those books in those libraries because I just explored during that time because they were transitioning mm-hmm. and there was just so many books to, to move. But uh, in high school, I got away with the same stuff as I would be like, I didn't want to go to class, but they didn't really kick me out of the library because I was actually reading and stuff. And oh so the librarians at the high school were like, oh, you're fine. So I would come in you're there reading. at all hours. They probably honestly, they probably thought that I was a really good student. And so teachers let me go to the library and didn't su- didn't suspect that I was just skipping in order to read Stephen Hawking's, you know, uh, a brief history of time and Darwin's, you know, <laughs> uh, origin of species. That's what I was doing in there. Legit. Like I or reading like Crazy. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't in an English class that read Fahrenheit 451. I chose to read it because I heard other kids were reading it in the quote unquote, you know, smarter classes, the pre AP classes. And so I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'll just go to the library and read it. Like, that's what I did with my time as a kid, which is so <laughs> funny. So I like love, li- I have like a really fondness for libraries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely do too. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, we're going to continue this conversation because we're our topic here. It's going to go to, uh, we're talking a lot about libraries, but if you don't know this podcast, this is your first time listening to it. That's Pamela Cho. I'm Jacob Chesse. We are two English educators. We're two educators down here in the state of Texas doing what we love. I am the principalship role. Ochoa has years and years of experience. She is now retired, but she is still kicking butt, doing all kinds of things. And I'm going to get her 
working at my school eventually when she's able to after post-retirement. And we're doing all kinds of stuff with you guys. We're talking about stuff on the podcast. Um, we're doing all kinds of things. If you don't know about us, we have a Patreon page. We do videos. We have bonus episodes. We do trainings. We do so much. We try to interact with you guys as much as possible to give you what you uh, what you want, what you want to talk about, what you want access to. And really a corner of the Internet that's talking about workshop without judgment, without all of this naysaying, really just trying to solve problems. And sometimes we tackle topics that we don't know a lot about and we talk through them. Sometimes we tackle topics that we've talked about a million times are very passionate about. And sometimes we go off on all kinds of random tangents. So if you're a fan of all of that and just listening to two educators talk, then that's what we do here well. And we try to answer questions as well as so submit those to us. But you can find all of that at patreon.com slash craft and draft. You can go to our website, craftdraftworkshop.com and order to support us if you would like to do that. You can also support us by subscribing, leaving a review. But if you want to support us on Patreon, you can join the people just like Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, and Alyssa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, Matt, Amanda, and Donna all have. Come over, check us out, support us. You can also find our Facebook page over there. Pam and I were talking about, we need to open up, we need to do some more socials for craft and drafts. We got to get that going. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's one of our, our personal goals. We're still trying to navigate this wonderful world of being super busy. Pam's navigating a different situation. I'm still navigating my situation. So it is what it is. But we know we're, we're here to join in conversation with you. Today, we are talking about what are libraries for? Why do we have them? What is the purpose of a library? How they've changed over time? And how we think you can use them in your educational journey now so that's why we talked about public libraries we'll be talking about school libraries next probably classroom libraries as well stay tuned all right ladies and gentlemen ochoa it's no secret that libraries have changed massively right and to go back to the intro conversation talking about public libraries i remember people talking about how more and more of the libraries being taken up digitally Right. It was more and more VHSs. It was more and more like video games. It was more and more all of that stuff. Right. That was like the big fear. Schools did this too. less books, more makerspaces, nothing is makerspaces, but more makerspaces, more computers, librarians, their world shifted from a lot to books to more about now they're just talking about technology all the time. Yep, they're giving, media specialists. They're becoming media specialists rather than librarians. Mm -hmm. So here's my question. I can you I feel like I can trace this back to the public library shift to having kind of an open source like to media, right? Uh -huh. Having having VHSs, computers where you'd go to access the internet if you couldn't go anywhere else or whatever. Public libraries have served such an amazing uh purpose in society. Um my question is, why do you think libraries are that, right? So, like, starting kind of big, I guess, but, like, why why have libraries kind of been the, the epicenter of kind of the, weirdly enough, the digital revolution in a way? Because I feel like in a lot of conversations, a lot of librarians, and maybe if we have librarians who listen to this, we'd love to hear from you, but... I feel like a lot of the, a lot of them at this point are kind of frustrated with their roles in schools to where they don't have a lot of say in the books anymore. A lot of it's mostly just tech and the books are almost like secondary. But I feel like it's kind of always been leaning towards that. Why? Why? What is it about librarians and libraries that have that have given rise to this, both in the public and in public schools? I don't know. It's an interesting question. Well, I think, first of all, we got to go back and look and see, you know, why did libraries exist to begin with? And uh, they were actually the epicenter of a, of a community when it came to information um, gathering and dissemination of that information. And so, I mean, that's, that's really what it was for, right? I mean, people couldn't afford the books. They're expensive. So what do you do? You put them all in a public library and then everybody has access. And I think, um, in the United States, we we have always pretty much um, wanted or had a desire to educate the the masses, right? And so, one way to make sure that everybody in your community, because, I mean, at the beginning of of our 
you know, like with uh, Jefferson and all of that. I mean, uh, he he believed so much. I mean, they were all readers and they believed so much. Our founding fathers believed in and uh, reading to the point that we now have a national library. Right. And so that all started with uh, Thomas Jefferson and, and how he wanted that uh, national library. And so. I think it's I think it's this idea that citizens govern themselves better when they're informed. So it's all about information. So when your information changes from book to another form, then if that at the center of that information is the library, then of course the library is going to want to change. So to me, I think that's really the reason. But I think sometimes we have these changes and we don't always see the end result in the future, you know, in other words, it's all about, okay, oh, look, this is a new thing, new thing, new thing, new thing. And we don't always think about what's going to happen. Do we still need the old? I mean, and I think when it comes to a library, yeah, I think when we're reading, I think books are just as important as anything else in there. I went to the library. My fa- I took my family to the library, first of all, when we couldn't afford to have the resources in our own home. So where did I go? I took all of my kids to the library. Uh, every one of us had a card. And we had a card not to just one library, but we had a card to many libraries. Like we were very fortunate in where we live is we have public libraries um, all around us. And so um, and there's a, a Fort Worth library system and they all of our libraries belong to that. And so as a result, uh, we were able to borrow and and get things from even a larger library than our uh, than our place. I live in a my town that I live in is smaller than the towns that surround me. And so our library at my town is really kind of smaller and it's nice. Um, kind of reminds me of the old days, if you will. But uh, if we need something more like the makerspace or something else like that, we would venture out. So so all, all of my family, we all had library cards to all these different places. And I think it's because it, it's it's public. It's the whole entire community can participate and it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have, you can still participate in the public library. And so as a result, uh, like I told you, when we didn't, when I didn't have computers that worked in my house and we still needed to have projects done and my kids still needed projects done via the computer and I needed projects done because I was doing my master's, uh, we all went to the library and we checked out a, a computer from there. So I think because of that center of information, I think as things have changed, as the library goes, so does everything else. I don't know. What's your thought on that? That's a pretty good take. I mean, I think it is... I don't know. I I think a lot of that is, is really accurate. I think the importance of reading, we've talked about this, is that a lot of like the big push in literacy right now in the United States and various states is nice. It's good. And we want people to focus on it. Um, but at the same time, we, uh, we focus on it in weird ways. And we also think of literacy in, in different ways. Like you and I have read like the, the changing statements from, uh, the various literacy bodies out there where they incorporate more digital literacy and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that public libraries have taken that on. And obviously public libraries have taken on, you know, checking out books digitally. Um, so people can download them on their e-readers, on their iPhones and et cetera, mm-hmm. which is interesting and strange. I just, you know, I have tried <laughs> just on a, on a side note. I have tried to be an e-reader so many times And I genuinely adore reading on a Kindle. I like the comfort. I can lay a certain way in bed when I read. But it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't. Not to me. I I love the feel of the book. I love the progression as I'm flipping pages. I love to flip back through pages. It doesn't beat the convenience of a Kindle. But I, I absolutely love it um a few months ago i was on a plane and i was i was reading on a kindle and it was it was great but i just i love that physical book but the the rise of that has been interesting when you think about these libraries but 
I think when you think about libraries, what I think about them and how they've changed is when I went to a library as a kid, I saw it as like this really magical place. I saw it as just rows and rows of just possibility. And I was in like, I just loved it. I was obsessed with it. I like the idea of like, I was obsessed with that. I could, I was like, I can just walk out. Like I can just get a library card and like leave with these books. Like it was so interesting to me. And, and it's such a public service of a mm-hmm. dedication to a society being literate, which I think is a really powerful statement. Um, and I remember like, as a kid, it's a little nostalgic podcast somehow. I remember as a kid watching Arthur and they had these episodes where like, it was like them trying to get a library card. Like that was the whole point of the episode. Right. And so I remember going, well, heck I want a library card. Like why wouldn't I want one? I get to show up and get books. Like what is this? Um, and I think it's like, we talk about like the influence of media and the influence of just like the, the public zeitgeist, so to speak. Um, and I think it's interesting that libraries have kind of served as this role. Like recently, like libraries have served as like places for like kids, right? They do like these read alouds for young children. They host all kinds of different events. They have like these media centers now where a lot of like, there's people that run podcasts out of libraries. Like I've seen it, like they just mm-hmm. go in there. They have these like little soundproof rooms that they just kind of rent out yeah. or whatever. And it's free. You just got to make sure you sign up. But um, I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting that libraries are like the host of all of these ideas. And one of the greatest tragedies, Courtney, I, Courtney, I need you to stay with me if you're listening. If you're out there, Courtney, you got to stay with me because we're about to go into Chastain land. <laughs> one of the things <laughs> and one of the things that uh, I think about is like all the libraries that have been burned, like the burning of the, the library of Alexandria, for instance. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And like the destruction, like when uh, and it might still be happening. America or our news outlets don't focus on this so much. So apologies if I don't know about this, but like all of like the ancient landmarks and like the text and stuff that were burned and like uh, because of the Iraq and uh, the Iraq war and the stuff with the ISIS, ISIS, like when they were really kind of taking over parts of Syria and stuff and just ruining you know, all of these like ancient sites and stuff like that was like, there's a reason we do that, right? There's a reason like war creates these people who want to destroy history, destroy books. There's a reason why tyrants want you to burn books and ban books and do all of these things, right? It's because they're, they're powerful things. Knowledge is powerful. And so the public library just in, in general, right? Not even talking about a school library, but a public library, is almost like one of the last bastions of this idea that anyone can access knowledge if you just have the time and patience to do it, right? I think the internet has kind of taken over that idea a little bit, but the problem mm-hmm. with internet is that there's re- there's not a lot of gatekeepers. There's some, but even the gatekeepers have not become gatekeepers in terms of clicks, right? Like it used to, so like for a library... They had to go through publishers, they go through editors. It was very specific on how to get books published. There was a lot of checks and balances. Didn't mean everything you read in a book was accurate, but it ensured that the vast majority of things that you read were probably closer to accurate. The internet, however, is driven by content. So what drives content? Outrage. What drives content? Uh, Titles that get you clicks. What drives content? Things that make people want to comment and to come back to your site to comment more and to all those things. And so truth and veracity loses its hold on society in terms of attention span. And so I still think, even in this day and age, even though I love the internet and everything it's given us, I still think the library and both the school library, the classroom library and the public library, it's a, it's a public service to those that have access that is beyond anything else. Like just philosophically speaking, I think it's unmatched for just what it is. And I think, I don't know. It makes me sad that we've, that I think this is why the, 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 or are they called the college of librarians? I guess that they, that they feel so passionate about what they do, but I feel like not enough people are listening. Not enough people care about this concept. 
Well, I think going to the public school library, one of the things that I noticed a huge shift probably about 12 years ago, um, I could be wrong about the time, but I was just, I just kind of thinking about where I was at, what school I was at. And the, you know, I always made sure I was friends with the librarian as a teacher, because if I didn't have a resource, they could get it for me. And that's the other thing. I mean, librarians just have a way of knowing books. Of course, they go to college to do all that, but they have a way of knowing books that you don't know. And getting a hold of those books that you can't get a hold of because you don't have the same access to some of those things as they do. So I was always friends with the librarian. So talking to one of the librarians uh, in her frustration, she was like, the principal just wants me to close the library and just, I mean, get rid of all my books. And I don't, I don't want to get rid of my books, but they gave me an order that I have to get rid of and then she gave a number of the percentage of books. It was a large percentage of books that she had to dispose of because the principal didn't feel that the library was as useful as it used to be. So one of the things that I told my teachers at that time is we have got to use the library. We're going to lose it. So if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And so you've got to take your kids down to the library and you've got to check it out and you got to be there consistently. And so I always made sure um, that we were uh, doing that. And I think that helped save at least some of those books because if it wasn't being checked out and they gave like a, a percentage, you know, so many times a year, then you got to get rid of that book. Well, I mean, I don't know. It was breaking her heart because she got in there because she loved books, but um anyway they wanted to do all this other stuff the media specialist instead of she goes i didn't go to school to be a media specialist i went to school to be a librarian and they're asking me to do stuff i don't know how to do but i have to have it all done by this you know this particular time period so she didn't really feel supported at that time by the principal so i think i think that's part of an issue too is everybody wants to be the the newest thing, if you will, um, the most innovative. And I think our librarians are feeling the pressure of either they've got to innovate by changing their library or they're going to be a lost part of our schools. So I, I really think if if we do lose our public library, I think it our school libraries, I think I think it'll be tragic. And that was another thing, you know, there's been an attack even on our classroom libraries that you can't have this and you can't have that. Well, okay, I see that there are definitely things you gotta consider if you're a teacher, you've got to consider the age and the ability and your community in which you serve as you're creating your library. So I, 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 okay, I don't have a problem with that kind of thing, as long as it's reflective of your community. And as long as you are allowing student choice, it's when you start forcing books that do not reflect your community um, is when you're probably going to fall into some issues. So you want to really know your community. And I think that's where, like the public libraries and all of the thing and the and our uh, librarians in the school, they know your community, and I, I would just, I just would use them as a resource, and and I just just like we've talked about some of our um, administrators say things like, "Why are you reading? Why are you allowing your kids to read so much in reading?" And it's like, it that's just. I mean, research shows that they need to read. And I mean, mm -hmm. so why do you have books in your library? You need to get rid of those books. And I can see as a librarian why you would be extremely frustrated and worried about what's going to happen to the future. And I, I think that I think books are not like you said earlier, they're special and they're I don't think we need to get rid of books just because we have Kindles. I just don't. Well, and that was so there's a big I remember following this because I was at before I was a teacher, I was really trying to get published. Like I was trying to be like a fiction author. And I there there's still a part of me that I want to take a few other whacks at it to see if I can actually make it. But um I was doing it like hardcore. Like I had finished my first full novel uh when I was 
well, my son was born, so I was 20, 21. Um, cause it was like right when he was a baby. I remember it was like kind of, it just coincided. And then after that, I wrote like five novels back to back to back and none of them are particularly great, but I wrote them. Um, mm-hmm. and, but during that process, I was researching just the internet and the rise of the Kindle and eBooks and stuff. And I fell in with all of these like indie authors and what happened was there was this huge push. It was when Amazon, the Amazon Kindle was really taking off. There was all of these blogs that were going off. Uh, J.K. Conrath, or J.A. Conrath, I think, uh, he's a thriller writer that was traditionally published. And then he started self-publishing novels that his publishers wouldn't do. And he started selling for like 99 cents and giving away for free. He jumped to the top of the charts, ended up making millions of dollars off of this. And he started just tracking like super openly, like how much money he was making, how he was doing it. And he was just open about the whole entire process, right? Beat for beat. And all of the, what happened was, is it spawned all of these like self-publishing podcasts and like these author communities of just people going, oh, we don't wait, we don't have to get agents. We don't have to go through this process. We can just publish. And this was new at the time and I was young and I was writing. And so I kind of jumped and I was just learning and researching. I fell in with all these writers and I was, I was literally having zoom conversations with writers across the world. They were in Britain, they were in New Zealand, they were in Australia. And they were like, yeah, I just published this book the other day and I've already made 5,000 off of it. And they were like, oh yeah, I have, you know, this many books. This is how I marketed them. And they were like, I've made $30,000 in 30 days. Right. And it was incredible. And so I was like, holy moly, this is real. Right. But what happened was in that community, this is why it's relevant to what we were just saying is they were like, the, the print book is dead. Cause this is all eBooks that they're selling. Right. They're mm-hmm. like, there's zero chance that print is going to stay alive. It's going to die. And the, obviously the Amazon love that idea. They're like, yes, come to us, right? Use us. And then what happened is it ended up being about half and half still. And it's been half and half for uh, over a decade, more than a decade. Right. Of print and digital are pretty much even. And it turns out people still love print. And I think it comes down to you just can't beat the way the brain works. You cannot beat that thousands of years of human evolution has given rise to like we read on tablets right we read hieroglyphics <laughs> written in in stone like we, we and then we moved to paper you know, or parchment and then paper and then everything else and so there's just our brains are wired to read a certain way um doesn't mean you can't read digitally it's just there's been a lot of studies about how we just haven't evolved that way yet. And I, here's the thing. Do I think it's probably going to go full digital at some point? Probably. Right. Right. Like I just think you're not going to truthfully, I think what they're going to do is going to be like a synthetic paper eventually. Right. It'll be like, you'll have like these digital books that you can still flip pages. Like that's going to come right. Like it's, there's, there's going to be like the simulation. It's kind of like a, this is a really random tangent, but the the new Mustang, they have a new Mach-E Mustang where you can click a button and it changes how the car sounds on the inside. Okay. So you can have a Mustang that's quiet, like a Tesla. You can have a Mustang on the inside that sounds like what you kind of the old Mustang. Mustang. Yeah, right. And it's it's so funny to me. I'm like, holy crap. Like, it's just it's really going to come down to choice and what you want to do. So I think that's that's going to happen. But I I I love that paper has still persisted because paper is harder to get rid of. It's harder. That's one of the scary facts about the digital age is that you can change anything. Now we have, we have history of stuff, right? You can, there's a digital fingerprint, but how many people know how to dive into that, right? How many people will read an article today that is wrong, but gets fixed by the author four days later because the author doesn't, they know that the clicks on that article aren't going to be as high. So they'll just change it in four days so they don't look wrong, but eventually it's right. Mm -hmm. Right. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a part of digital literacy. But I think this is important when it comes to libraries is because libraries, uh, to me, are this body of knowledge that you bring kids into. One of the things I used to tell new teachers was like, when you go to a library, right, you do these library days, right? All right, kids, we're going to the library today. Oh, yeah. Let's go find a book. I'm big on that. You know that. Yeah. every English teachers love it. It's it's great. 
But what often do we see from inexperienced English teachers is they'll go, okay, go do that. And then the English teacher goes off. They sit in their corner. They talk to the librarian. They sit on their computer while, while the kids don't know what they're doing because it is a foreign language to them. Yeah. If they don't have access to books in their daily lives, all of this, this, this sea of spines means nothing to them. I can walk into any library, any bookstore, any classroom library. I could instantly find where my kind of books are because I'm used to what they look like. I know the language of book covers. Mm-hmm. Kids often, especially the kids that you and I taught for the vast majority of our careers, yeah. do not have that, that language. They, they do not have like the book literacy that requires that. And so to me... It comes to, yes, this is a huge body of knowledge and teachers like you can't find anything. Of course they can't. It's like telling (laughs) it's like uh, having someone go into a grocery store where they have everything there and saying, all right, I need you to go pick out uh, these specific meals that are going to meet your nutritional value. But I've never taught you about what you need for your body. Right. I've, I've never taught you mm-hmm. anything about protein, carb intake, veggies. I'm going to tell you any of that. Just go. You're not going to it's not going to be well. Right. Mm-hmm. You're going to struggle. You might luck out every once in a while. But I think that the the language of libraries has died down because the insistence on classroom libraries has kind of it's been constricted. It's been all of these things. And that's why I've always said I've always advocated for and I advocate for rightfully empowered for your school library, if you have a classroom library, it should be as closely tied to your school library as possible. So you can teach them that language mm-hmm. so that you can go, all right, so this is, this is this genre. This is what we call it here. This is this, these are these kind of books. Oh, we're in the library. Guess what? You like those books. That's all here. Right. And you mingle and stuff. But I, I want to talk about that for a minute. We're 36 minutes in. I want to talk about like how you, when you take kids to the library, how do you break this process down for them? How do you interact with them in a way that gets them engaged with the, the book picking process? Think about your class that, that, that doesn't have any access to this. Like they don't like libraries. They don't like your class, like that group. What do you do when you take them to the library? Well, I was going to be sarcastic and say, <laughs> well, I go sit with the librarian. <laughs> Tell them to go for. Especially because we're friends with the librarian. Yeah. <laughs> No. um, First of all, I teach them about books in the classroom. Um, You know me, I like to talk to them about what's on the spine. And when you open up a book, uh, as a matter of fact, when I had them set up their their craft book and their draft book, especially their craft book um, on that cover page. So they had the they had the the you know, the the cover of their journal and then you open it up and I say on that first one, that's your first that's your cover page. And that's how books are, you know, so I show them their journal and they set up their journal like a book would be set up. And so then on the back of their cover page, they have a Versa. And on that Versa is where, you know, you have the publisher's information and you have uh, a summary of what the book is like, and you have the library of Congress information and you have your, you know, all of that information is there, the publisher and everything. And so I had the kids create a Versa for their, for their actual craft book. And so, and when a, a summary tells you, okay, this is a fantasy book about growing up, coming of age, adventure, blah, 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 whatever it says. Okay. So then the kids have to write a summary. And so their summary would be informational text. It's an informational text and it talks about, and then their key buzzwords that they would have would be uh, things like reading, writing, you know, how to, et cetera. And so, so I use the craft book to kind of teach them about books. And then what I do is when we go, so then I give them the mini lesson when we're about to go to the library. Uh, so... First of all, I always arrange it with the librarian to give an orientation so they can, no matter what, no matter how many years they've been there or not, I have the librarian, we take them down there, they give the the orientation of the library and, and where they can locate books. Then what I do as a teacher is I will give them like, okay, you can find any book of your choice, but I want you to find a a book 
that has a versa. And then I want you to come to me and tell me what type of book you have. Because on the back of that information, it'll tell them if it's fiction, nonfiction, historical fiction, fantasy. Now, not 100% of the books do that, but most of the books do. And so... I'll have them, they have to identify those things. And so what they'll do is they'll check in with me. So they find their books, they check in with me. Of course, I help them too. I go about and help, but then they have to find me that, and I'm, I'm walking around and they, and I carry my notebook and they have to check in with me. And then they let me know what kind of book they have. They show me what they've learned. So they give me their evidence that they've learned it. And then I say, okay, I'll go check that book out. Or is this a book you want to check out? Why do you want to check out this book? And so I kind of just write some notes as they're talking. So I have this library conference going on and then they go and check out the book. And then uh, when they check out the book, then they have to sit and they have to start reading it. And I ask them to at least try to read the first, you know, however many minutes we have try to get to the first chapter so that's kind of what I do and then we go back to the classroom and then the next day they'll read a little bit more and then we start responding to the to the actual book I don't know is that what you're looking for is that what am I answering your question yes so I mean those are that's that's what I do Uh uh-huh well it a lot of it is what I subscribe to Donald Miller. Oh yeah. Yeah. The book was where, yeah. Which is the whole idea of Mm -hmm. just using your knowledge to really kind of spread that with kids. Like there was so much, and you know, what's funny is this goes back to, I think one of the reasons I connected to Donald other than her being an amazing communicator and writer and, uh, just communicator, but it, one of the things I remember as a kid, as I was in high school, one of my favorite teachers, or as middle school, middle school, Mr. Hansen, we were in the library, and I was looking for books, and I was like, I don't, I just don't know what to read, right? And I was like, I think Mr. Hansen, what do I need? He goes, he asked me some questions, and then he looked, mm-hmm. and he grabbed Huckleberry Finn. And he goes, I think you should read this. I think you'd really like it, right? And I ended up loving it. Which I had to reread that. Well, that's one of my like adult books that I want to reread. Um, and we he he did that, and it was it was so cool. But it was also he's one of the ones who showed me. I've talked about him before on the podcast. Showed me you know Lord of the Rings and stuff like that in The Hobbit. Um, but what he did is he took interest in me and found something and went. And I've always kind of used that model is learn my students, take them to the library, start picking stuff, showing them books. And they're like, oh, I didn't like this. Okay, so why didn't you like that? Okay, sweet. I know what to give you next based on that knowledge, right? Melin Bannister, who's been on Teach Me Teacher, she's at my new school now. She's loving it. She was so excited. She got to take these. She never taught high school. She took these freshmen to the library and she was telling me, she was like, I was so excited. I was showing them all kinds of books that they really hadn't connected to. And she was just enjoying giving them like kind of this new perspective on the mm-hmm. library and stuff. And I was like, that right there is a magical piece is that when you have the trust of a, a young person, right? Whether it be a kid, adolescent, teenager, whatever, you can offer them something. And then if they don't like it, then they can be honest about it. And then you can kind of start um, pruning your selections to get them something. And eventually, I fully believe this, eventually you'll find something for every single kid, regardless of who they are. Um, And to me, that's like the source of the library. It's like my classroom library is something that hopefully I've kind of cultivated. I have kind of my go-tos in there. Um, It's very accessible. It gives kids an immediate kind of satisfaction. But if I can get them addicted to that library experience, um, I think it's amazing. One thing that I used to do, I consider a pro tip. I don't know if I ever said this on the podcast. I'm sure I have. But what I used to do for kids that wouldn't read, right, let's say I have a fake reader. And I've kind of given them several warnings. We're two weeks in. And I'm like, all right, you're still fake reading. You have a detention because you're not doing what I'm telling you. All right, I have a detention. So they come to detention. It's like, all right, we're going to the library. What? Yep, we're going to the library. I was like, this is your detention. We're going to talk about books until I find you three that you're going to try tonight. Right? And it's like a Mm -hmm. detention tutorial library experience. Um, And I, I did that so often. And I, I made so many readers out of those because it was like, 
oh, you just want me to read? Yes, dude. I just want you to read. Like, that's all <laughs> I'm asking you to do. And I, you don't have to read anything hard. Don't read anything that's boring. Read the, the most whatever kind of book that you want um, and go forth and conquer. And then I will teach you from there. And I think that is the power of library is the... Mm-hmm is that once you show them, it's like, this isn't just like a place where you come to learn about your Chromebook logins. It's not a place to just learn about how to cite sources, right? It is a place of genuine entertainment, fulfillment, self-identity, reflection, if you understand how to use it. Um, And I think that is the, it's a, it's a job that is being pulled away from librarians Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think principals need to be do a better job about empowering librarians to do that. Um, but I think it's a it's a definite job of English teachers to support that process. But I don't know. Well, kind of- yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, I've always worked closely with my librarians all the way, even when I was younger. Um, and when I taught in the high schools at the beginning and the librarians always seemed to like me and they, so anytime I asked, can we come to the library? They were always, yes, yes. You know? So the thing is, is I, yeah, I do, I do. I'm similar in that sense that, you know, I help the kids find books and stuff similar to what you talked about along the way. But, you know, I just think that a lot of times they don't, like you said, they don't know how to read the book. They don't know how to read a library and they don't know where things are. And so a lot of times I feel like that's my responsibility is to make sure that they, that they do that. But, but number one, I think the library serves in the school as a safe place uh, for kids to learn, express ideas, enjoy themselves, especially if they do have like maker space and things like that in the library. It's another reason to go down there. And I think if you're, if your librarians are open to a lot of kids going down there, I think that you could really increase your literacy of your school. I think that, that, um, you know, with that librarian's help, I mean, they need people down there checking out those books. They got to be supported. Their job depends on. And so that, that part's important, but here's what happens to them. You mentioned it, you alluded to it for sure. And that is when you said Chromebooks and all that kind of stuff, but what what is happening in the few libraries that I've been in since the last 12 years is they are the place that kids have to go to find a new Chromebook. Uh, they have to go and um, the librarians are a place that, well, we don't have enough subs. So the librarian ends up having to close down the whole day so they can actually have be a substitute for the day uh those kinds of things are happening and or they are in one of the schools i was in not the one that you and i were in together but there was another one that that i was in the librarian they didn't have somebody to do the robotics class so they gave her a class of robotics so then that was so for me to try to get so what i found was for me trying to get my kids into the library i would go okay uh Miss Librarian, I, I I need in on these days. Well, I can't because, well, I have to, we're checking out Chromebooks on that day. I can't because that's the day that we're testing because that's where you, you te- do all your extra testing. And so anytime you, like we were told uh, in one of my schools is if you have a kid that needs to make up a test, just send them down to the library. But what if everybody did that? Then nobody can go into the library because it has to be a quiet place all the time where nobody can check out books because everybody's testing. I mean, I don't think that's the job of the librarian. I think because I think what happens is I think principals, and I could be wrong, I'm not a principal, I've never been one. But I do think our administrators sometimes look at that space and they look at the librarian sitting there behind her desk, she's bi- or he, and they're busy you know, cataloging, doing the things that they're supposed to do, looking at their data, whatever they need to do, getting ready for the next thing, maybe getting ready for a class to come in so they can do an orientation lesson or what have you. And they look in there and they think, oh, well, they're not working enough. They have all this time. So we're going to make sure that we fill that time up and they fill the time up and then we can't really use a library for what it needs to be used as. And that is a safe place for students to go and learn 
about books and learn how to learn and to learn to be independent learners because that is where you can do that in your classroom is you can send them forth, have them go find different things in the library and give them a scavenger hunt. You can do all kinds of stuff in the library to get them to have access so that later on in life, they can be independent learners. You know, when their internet's down, where do you go? You go to the library. But if they don't know how to use the library, then that's never going to be an option for them. So there's my spiel. That's my little soapbox. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Crowd of the Trap podcast. That's Pamela Trump, Jacob Tess, saying we're two educators down in the state of Texas. Do what we love. Talking about English. Talking about workshop. Talking about libraries and books. And so much more. If you want to support this podcast, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We actually had one of our biggest months in August. I told Ochoa back in the day when we were trying to do a podcast, I said, you know what? We're going to have ups and downs of the show. But the big moments are going to be the return to school and everything else. Um, and so Craft and Draft, I think, got that little bump from everyone kind of going back to school, looking for podcasts, looking for help. So hopefully if this helped you, subscribe. So don't miss anything. Leave a review if it was something that you really loved. And if you want more episodes, stuff that no one else has heard, bonus training videos, and so much more, including our Craft and Draft demo videos, check out our Patreon at craftanddraftworkshop.com slash... Nope, craftworkshop.com to get the link <laughs> or patreon.com slash craft and draft in order okay. to get to everything. Sorry, so I just mixed it up. It's because I was looking at the website when I said uh-huh. that. So it was a it was an honest mistake. But join us like our other listeners have, and you can keep this podcast going. Keep it supportive, just like Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, and Alyssa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, Matt, Amanda, Donna, all have Come back next week for another fantastic episode. Leave us a question. If you want something we reached out recently on the Patreon page, asking for questions, asking how your year is going, let us know. Let us know what challenges you have. We will try to address them as much as humanly possible to make things work. But otherwise, come back next week for whatever we decide to talk about if you don't ask a question. So thank you for listening and know that we are here for you. <laughs> <laughs>